Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. children are going to have readings at, from perspectives of different people who might have been present or encountered Jesus on that Palm Sunday. And I invite you to hear these narratives. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem and came to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village of Bethphage ahead of you. There you will find a donkey and its colt. Tell the man that owns them that the Lord needs them. The disciples went and did as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks upon them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowd yelled Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A mixture of people stood in the crowd that day, some believing, some scoffing. What did the people think as they saw Jesus ride by? Best Page has always been known for selling donkeys, and my family takes pride in the fact that we've been in this business for generations. When these two young men approached me and asked to borrow a donkey and its colt, well, I've never heard of that in my whole life. But there was something commanding about their presence, something that made me believe them. I'm not sure who this Lord is who needed the donkeys, but I just felt I could trust them. I don't know. My wife says I'm crazy. She says I'll probably never see those donkeys again. I've been following Jesus for three years, and I know the wonderful miracles he has done. So why wouldn't he let us treat him more like a king we know him to be? Why didn't he let us get a horse or at least a camel for him to ride on? What was he thinking about riding a donkey? Kings don't act that way. We were on our way home from temple school and didn't really know what was going on, only that everyone was excited and young. The king is coming. People started ripping branches off trees and laying them on the road for the donkey to walk on. Some people even took off their cloaks and laid them on the road. It was exciting. Everyone in the palace was astir about some parade that was taking place outside Jerusalem. As if I, Pontius Pilate, would care about that. Those Judeans are always having some religious festival or another. I get so tired of all the sacrifices. Sentinel of smoke comes up to my palace and ruins my garden parties. I was prattling on about one true God. But as long as they stay out of my hair, I'm a big believer in live and let live. We owe 
Jesus, our daughter's life. She died suddenly, one of those swift summer fevers that comes, fevers that comes, that comes up out of the swamps of Capernaum. Within hours, our precious girl was gone. We had heard Jesus preaching and even seen him healing people. We sent word to him, telling him that our daughter was sick, hoping, praying that he could do something before Jesus could come. A servant came and told us she had died. We gave him to despair, despair, but Jesus followed us to our house and told us she was only sleeping. He took her by the hand and helped her stand up. She was alive again. I don't know if, if Jesus is everything he claims to be, but he had compassion on our family, and we love him. I've been stationed here in Jerusalem for a little more than a year, and I just want to go home to Rome. I've had it with the trouble brewing here all the time. The zealots, the rabble-rousers, the, cru the crucifixions, it's enough to turn your stomach. Just today, another guy proclaiming himself a king. People were shouting and throwing their coats into the road. I can only see a bad end ahead for him. The Romans don't take kindly to anyone with plans to overthrow the government. Finally, this Jesus has been preaching and teaching for three years, and that's all well and good, but it's time to get rid of the oppressive Roman government. The taxes alone are enough to cripple anyone. If he wants to set up some sort of kingdom that talks about another world in heaven, that's fine, but I'm more interested in a king that will take over here and now. A mixture of people stood in the crowd that day, some believing, some scoffing. What did the people think as they saw Jesus ride by? Who do you see as Jesus rides by? Do you join me in thanking them for their participation this morning? Very good. So they, they came yesterday evening and practiced for over an hour running through their lines and working this and uh, it was really a blessing to me because I got to think about everything that you were saying for a very long time. And then it helped me to think about what I wanted to say today. And one of the things that I think we all need to hear is that people came for many different reasons. And that is still the truth about church. People come to church to worship for many different reasons. Some are here because they have had an encounter with Jesus that changed their life forever, like the mother whose daughter was saved from death. Some people came because they have had a, lo a long relationship with Jesus, and it's important for them to be in his presence and to honor and glorify him, even if they don't always agree with what Jesus wants or understand it, like the disciple. But then there were those who were compelled to come simply because they wanted to see what was going to happen and wanted to see how things would work out and whether this would be any good. Just like the Roman soldier or Pontius Pilate, they were kind of on the sidelines watching. And the church is still like that. There are people who are on the sidelines watching. And Holy Week is the time for us to get out of the sidelines and get in the game. Holy Week is the perfect time for us to remember that 
God is constantly offering us more information, more encounters, more experiences so that we can deepen our understanding. No Holy Week is exactly the same. And every Holy Week is an opportunity for us to experience Jesus in a radically profound way. Just like all of those people who lined the roads and watched him ride into Jerusalem, the holiest of holy cities, on the back of a donkey colt. They watched because they wanted to see what would happen when he entered into the city. As the gospel reading from John recounts, many people who had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead had continued to follow him and proclaim and testify that they saw a dead man raised, that they knew that Jesus could do powerful things. His disciples had been traveling around with him for three years, watching him feed thousands, heal people, dispel demons, show people how to love and grow in their faith and their relationship to God and one another. There were other secondary disciples who supported Jesus and his primary disciples, those who took care of them, who ensured that they had food and that they could every now and then have clean clothes, ensure that they had a place to rest and that they were cared for in the midst of their ministry. And all of these people came and watched, and Jesus very carefully chose how he would enter in to Jerusalem. And that's an important thing for us to stop and pause and reflect on on Palm Sunday, is that Jesus didn't do what the crowd wanted. The crowd wanted Jesus to come in and change everything right then and there. Some of the people, like the zealot, wanted Jesus to come in on a war horse and march right up to Pontius Pilate's governor's palace and tell him to get out. And he didn't do that. He chose intentionally not to come in riding on a horse. In fact, if you caught it, he sent his two disciples to go and get a donkey. And sometimes we have to clarify for the children in chapel that Jesus didn't steal the donkey. Like, he didn't pay for the donkey. He didn't ask if he could have the donkey. He just took the donkey. And we, we have to reflect on that and say, yes, but Jesus did equip them with what to say, right? To say that the Lord needs them. The Lord needs these donkeys. Will you please let him have them? And those words were able to change the heart of the donkey seller or the donkey owner so that, yes, he would let the donkey go. And chances are he probably never did see those donkeys again. But Maybe on the, after the resurrection, he was able to reflect and go, hey, my donkeys are part of the story of Jesus. But it's also important for us to remember that people wanted Jesus to come in and do what they wanted. Their expectations were very secular and worldly and human. They wanted Jesus to come in and kick out the oppressive foreign invaders, stop the Roman Empire from having control over them. Others wanted Jesus to come in and change the way things were happening in the Judean society and in the temple structure. And in the reading that I did from the pulpit, it ended with the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders outside of Jerusalem. Pharisees ran the synagogues, which were houses of reading and prayer and scripture study. They ran those outside of the temple in Jerusalem, and they had been battling with Jesus for three years, getting into verbal discussions and debates and trying to trap Jesus because they didn't like what he was saying or doing. 
And they really didn't like what his disciples were saying and doing, and they disagreed with it, and they felt that it was in contention with Scripture rather than understanding that Jesus came to fulfill the Scriptures, as he repeatedly says. And so they watch as he enters into the city, and they, like Pontius Pilate, kind of wipe their hands of Jesus and say, once he's entered into the city, he's now the problem of the priesthood, who we know as the Sadducees. It's their problem now. But Jesus also doesn't march right into the temple and start destroying things or kicking out the priesthood. Instead, he chooses very intentionally to spend Palm Sunday with the people, to have this moment with them where some of them saw him for the first time. Stories and accounts, testimonies had come to these people, and they had heard about him. This is the one they call the Son of God. This is the one who might be the Messiah. And they got to see him and feel his presence and encounter his charisma that day. And he stayed with them rather than just marching past them and on to his own ends. He will, of course, end up in the temple on Monday morning. He will stay in the temple on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And then he will find himself in the private residence and inner jail of the Sadducees on Thursday night. And he will be handed over to Pontius Pilate in the governor's palace on Friday And by Saturday, he will be resting in a tomb. And this week, as we are encountering it, whether it's here in worship or in our devotionals or even in just some private time where we reflect on what's going on, I hope and I pray that what we are asking for is God to show us a side of Jesus that we do not yet know. Give us more of you, Jesus. Show us something that I have not seen. Tell me something I have not heard. Let me encounter you in a way that will deepen my love and my respect and my adoration of you. And Holy Week is the time in which all Christians are encouraged to do this. No Christian anywhere has it all figured out. No Christian anywhere knows Jesus so fully that there is nothing more to see. And this is our time to request Jesus says, ask and it shall be given. Knock and the door will be open. If you feel like you don't understand Jesus fully or you don't have the relationship that you want or you want to know more, you hunger and you thirst for your Lord and Savior, then this is the time to ask and Christ shall provide. So that ultimately when we gather back here on Easter, on Easter Sunday a week from now, what we will have encountered is just what the apostles encountered, that there was still more Jesus to know. Three years of traveling and listening and hearing and having him personally engaged with them. And they still could not fathom the depths of his love and his sacrifice. His commitment to the messianic prophecies and his willingness to die on the cross. And on Good Friday, when we have the opportunity to gather here, and this space becomes very solemn. And it becomes a time for us to reflect Most Christians will not go to worship on Good Friday. We know this from worldwide numbers and and quantifiable data that most Christians will not. Now, some of that is because it may not work in your schedule for you to go to Good Friday worship. Understandable. But what I want to challenge you to this year on Friday is that we know that he was crucified at about 9 a.m. and that at noon darkness came over the land and that he was dead by 3 
took about six hours for him to die on the cross. And I hope and pray that all of us will feel challenged enough at some point during that time span to just take a moment and give thanks to Jesus for what he endured so that we would not. That we would have an opportunity to reflect and understand that that sacrifice on Good Friday was truly for us. And for those who have not yet discovered the rich love, the unparalleled grace, and the glory of God's gospel in and through Jesus Christ, that that might be revealed to them because we have a testimony to give. We have a story to tell in the nations, and we have some glory to give for the fact that on Sunday morning, before any of us would have been up, that tomb was empty. And that tomb was empty because Jesus rose from the dead for us too. And this is our time. This is the season. And there is no greater gift than the opportunity to walk with Jesus through those final days. Because there are multiple opportunities in Holy Week where Jesus could have said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. No human in all of history would be willing to do this. Thankfully for us and for every human throughout all time, Jesus is not just fully human but fully divine. And the God in him would not quit. And God will not quit for us now. God continues to work in us and through us so that God may be at work for us in the world. And Palm Sunday is that reminder, that tangible sign, that visual indication that God is still coming to us even now. And nothing, no rain on our parade, no lack of order, nothing will keep Christ from coming to us now and forevermore. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.